Problem Fox Pop, leveling On this week's episode of Skies and Beyond Radio, we look at top aviation news stories, the history of plane spotting, my upcoming trip, and of course the great Instagram crash of 2022. Hey everyone, Luke over at Skies and Beyond Radio and welcome back into another podcast. This week has been quite interesting from anything from aviation news stories in regarding plane spotting and then also the Instagram crash that we had this week. Um, and it's just tough to where to start. So we're going to just start right at the top with the most interesting, I think, uh, story. Um, so as many of you know, Instagram kind of took a little bit of a break, I guess. So they had a pretty minor but also major hiccup at the same time. So I think I went to sleep on Sunday and I had 55.1 followers and Monday morning I woke up and I was just like, oh, I was just checking, scrolling through Instagram, getting ready to post something, which I think at the time I was running late or I was just behind that morning. I was really tired. It's been a really long week for me. So nevertheless, I, I was going to go post and I happened to just, I, what I do is I go to my like main page and I just like refresh it, see what's going on and so on and so forth. But I refreshed it and I go, wow, I said, I lost a lot of followers and I was down to like 54.4. And I mean, in all reality, it's, you know, your follower count will fluctuate up and down like crazy and you're going to get stuff all the time where you'll gain a ton of followers and you'll lose a ton of followers or you won't really gain anything at all and so on and so forth. But I was like, that's a pretty significant drop. And I was like, I don't know what I did wrong or maybe Instagram shadow banned me, who knows, whatever. But then... I realized after I got to work that I, you know, had increased some followers. So I went from 54.4 to 54.6. I think 30 minutes later, I was at 0.7. Uh, an hour later, I was at 0.9. And then I think after my, uh, after lunch was over, I think it was back to 55.1. And I was like, what the heck? So I was just, you know, asking around and the people were like, oh, go, you have, check out Twitter. It's all over Twitter. So I was looking at Twitter, I was laughing at some of the memes and, once again, Instagram kind of like took a nasty, you know, uh, they were they, they pumped the brakes on us or there was a hiccup or whatever it was, but it really caused a lot of uh, confusion and panic in a lot of people. And I really thought about it at first and I go, you know what? And I said, I don't know why people are panicking so much about Instagram. It's just Instagram. But at the same time, some of these people got locked out of their accounts or their accounts were suspended and so on and so forth. But, and I thought to myself, like I said, I, I, I don't know why you guys are freaking out about this. This is, you know, perfectly fine. You know, it'll be back up and running. But if we look at it from a different perspective, and I always, I'm the kind of person to look at it from both sides. These, some of these, you know, creator, content creators or account holders or people that are on Instagram, you know, one had mentioned, you know, I hope I can get back into my Instagram account because, you know, that's 10 years worth of work that I might lose. And I thought to myself, I was like, what the world... But then after thinking about it some more, I go, yeah, that's right. Some, you know, some of these content creators, like this is their life. They make money off of this and, and what have you. But I, you know, I would be sad to kind of like lose my stuff too. But 
I'm glad that, you know, my account wasn't suspended or I didn't have any issues. I, you know, lost a good chunk of followers. We gained them right back. Like I said, it was a hiccup. But, you know, they were calling it the great, you know, Instagram crash of 2022. It's like, you guys are worrying about Instagram crashing. You better just hope the economy holds together. <laughs> That's the thing we need to worry about more than just Instagram. But anyways, I digress. We're going to move on to another story that was actually sent to me by my mother while I was at work one day. And I read about this story... And I, I saw the headline, it says, you know, aviation photographer or photojournalist, you know, detained by American Airlines crew after taking photos on their flight. So you can read the backstories on this as much as you want. There was an article on uh, View from the Wing, uh, johnnyjet.com also had an article. He wrote a little article about this as well. So... The long and the short of it is there was a, you know, av geek, photojournalist, aviation photographer, what have you, you know, taking, he took a couple photos on the aircraft documenting his flight. It was on an American Airlines flight. And I guess when he went to leave, he waited and then he took some photos on the plane before he got off. Now, before he got off, the flight attendant um, had stopped him. So I just, I'll read you the Twitter thread of it. And it's really short. But this individual said, I had stepped into the jet bridge and the flight attendant had what I thought was the pilot or first officer, you should know, just kidding, uh, block me from going any further. Then they brought me back on the plane and the flight attendant demanded I open my phone and show them the last several photos. Um, and then they took the phone out of my hands to inspect them and whatever, that's the end of the, the Twitter thread. So... I know, so there's two sides, like I said earlier, I said there's always two sides to the story. I try to make everything, I try to look at everything from both perspectives. If I was at work and somebody came and started taking photos of me and I didn't know who they were, I'd be like, well, you know, it's kind of rude. I don't know who you are. What are you doing and whatnot? But at the same time, so I, I get that. But at the same time, on, on the other hand, it's kind of important for us, especially when we're traveling, you know, av geeks and, you know, plane spotters and so on and so forth, that we, when we're doing these photos on aircraft, now, to make sure, one, I mean, this is just me, I, I always make sure that there's no one in the shot, and, and I really, even if their heads are turned away and you can't see their face, I, I, I don't like getting people in the shot because... That's that's for them. I mean, it's just like a privacy thing. And so that's one thing. Make sure there's like really no one in the shot and also make sure there's no staff in the shot. Now, if the staff want to be in the shot, you know, make sure also you ask their permission. You know, can I use this for my content page or whatever you may be doing, your blog or, or vlog, either one. And, you know, that's, you know, I think that would be highly important. Now, so those are just some couple tips, but... Also, kind of bad on American Airlines for detaining a, an, uh, a passenger for taking photos. I understand why, but to say that you can't get off the plane and then they brought him back on the plane, they were demanding to show my phone. And in all reality, if that was me and a first officer or a flight attendant said, you're going to show me your phone, I'm going to say, no, you're not the police. You know, you can call them and I will gladly show the police officer my phone. I don't understand. So now there's company policy going back and forth and depending on the airline and whatnot, but I, I think they were a little bit out of line. However, I can understand their frustration. And on the other hand of it, you know, make sure you're not, 
you don't have any staff members in your photos. You don't have any other passengers in your photos. And just go from there. Like, if you really want to take a picture of the aircraft's interior, you know, and you, you know, you're sitting all the way in the back, you're sitting all the way in the front, you know, my recommendation would be wait till everyone gets off the aircraft. And then right when you're about to leave, honestly, just ask. Just be like, hey, you know, I'm a blogger. Can I take a real quick picture? I don't want anyone in the photo. I just want to get a quick picture of the cabin. And then you call it a day. See, that's like the most like, you know, common sense way of doing things. Some other people like to have people in the shots because it, you know, it adds to the photo and whatnot. But at the same time, just it'd be best or it'd be who of people to kind of like ask for permission before you kind of like take these photos. It's just, that's just kind of like a respectful thing to do. So it was an interesting story, you know, in the news and I was reading all about it and it kind of maybe scratched my head a little bit, but at the same time, like I said, I, I get it from both sides. And, you know, if you guys are out there and you're documenting your travels and flights, um, please don't put a thousand stories on your Instagram page because I'll stop after the fifth one. Um, but also just <laughs> make sure that you kind of uh, just, you know, do your own thing, but, you know, be mindful of other people as well. All right, so moving right along, I didn't do a Q&A this week on my Instagram page. Like I said, I've been really busy with work. I'm probably going to be pushing 15, 16 days straight. So I kind of, I haven't had time really to either create posts or do any kind of Q&As. However, I did get two questions that were asked last time that I was unable to answer fully. And that was... And I don't think these individuals are actually plane spotters. I think they just follow my account and they're av geeks or they're fans of aviation and they really were interested about it. And they said, What, you know, where did plane spotting come from? And a couple podcasts ago, I talked about how plane spotting has increased in popularity, mostly due to COVID. Um, well, not due to COVID, but, you know, the outcome of COVID, you know, everyone was at home, they needed something to do, or they wanted something to do, they wanted to get outside, but they couldn't go here. So they went to the local airport, and they started watching aircrafts arrive and depart and taxi. And they picked up a camera, and they figured out plane spotting was a thing, and so on and so forth. And then pretty soon the community just kind of increased from there. So, but it was more so than that, that was more of like an evolution that kind of just popped right up real quick, and it evolved really, really fast. But plane spotting actually came uh, before then, and I was just going to go through a little bit about the history of plane spotting, you know, some interesting history tidbits about it as well uh, throughout history, some really kind of like shocking ones as well, including, you know, legalities and whatnot. So we're going to go through that. So besides plane spotting, you know, it's also been called aircraft spotting. And I think the, there's a, if you're videotaping, it's aero videology. I don't think anyone really uses aero videology anymore. I think it was more just so a blanket statement of plane spotting. Um, so it's a hobby pretty much, and it's of tracking movement of aircraft, which is often accomplished by photography. Besides monitoring aircraft, plane spotting enthusiasts, who are usually called plane spotters, also record information regarding airports and air traffic control communications and also airline routes, and we pretty much all do that. So the history aspect of this you know, starting at the beginning. So aviation enthusiasts have been watching airplanes and other aircraft ever since they were pretty much invented. Uh, however, as a hobby, and this is like distinct from active slash wartime work, uh, plane spotting did not really appear until the second half of the 20th century. 
So during World War II and the subsequent Cold War, uh, some countries encouraged their citizens to become plane spotters in quotes. And, or there was another one, I think observation corps, or similar public body for reasons of public security. So Britain had the Royal Observer Corps, which operated between 1925 and 1995. There's a big gap there. But um, so there's, you can look it up online too, the Royal Observer Corps. So sorry about that. <laughs> a journal called the Aeroplane Spotter was published in 1940, and then the publication included a glossary that was refined in 2010 and published online. So the development of technology and global resources enabled a revolution in spotting. Point-and-shoot cameras became big, DSLRs came in, and walkie-talkies, and so on, significantly changed, pretty much changed the hobby for the good. With the help of the internet and websites such as FlightAware, FlightRadar24, PlaneSpotters.net, JetPhotos, Airliners.net, and other social media presences, um, they allowed spotters to record their sightings and upload their shots or see pictures of aircraft spotted by other people from all over the world. And people can upload, you know, also videos to YouTube. Uh, I think TikTok real big right now as well. So technique-wise, there's not just plane spotters that take photos of planes. There's also other aspects. Uh, so when spotting aircraft, observers generally noticed uh, the key attributes of an aircraft, such as there's like a distinctive noise from its engine, the number of vapor trails it's leaving in the sky, or maybe even its call sign. Observers also assess the size of an aircraft and the number, type, and position of the engines. Another distinctive attribute is the position of wings relative to the fuselage, the degree to which they are swept forwards or rearwards. Uh, the wings may be above the fuselage, below it, or even fixed at a midpoint. The number of wings indicates whether it's a monoplane, biplane, triplane, etc., etc., etc. The position of the tail plane relative to the fin and the shape of the fin are other attributes. The configuration of the landing gear can also be distinctive, as well as the size and shape of the cockpit and the passenger windows along the side of the aircraft and even the layout of emergency exits and doors. Other features include the speed, uh, cockpit placement, color scheme, or special equipment that changes the silhouette of the aircraft. Taken together, these traits will all enable the identification of one specific aircraft. If the observer is familiar with the airfield being used by aircraft, excuse me, and its normal traffic patterns, they are more than likely to leap quickly to a decision about the aircraft's identity. So, for example, in Manchester, I can have a pretty good sense and knowledge of what's coming in just by looking at it on Flight, Flight Radar 24 or open, open ADSB, or even just looking in the sky. They may have seen, you know, some of these aircraft type from the same angle many of times, and just like as for me as well, I have. This particular prevalent if the aircraft spotter is spotting commercial aircraft operated by airlines that have a limited fleet. So, for example, in Manchester, we have a lot of Southwest, which is pretty much, if you love 737s, go for it. It's all you, you know, if you like American Airlines, you got the CRJ and the E-Jets and whatnot. So, uh, more so how we like look at these things is you know we use equipment such as uh, adsb i use open adsb there's air nav systems radar box and then there's flight radar 24 
Um, and there's a few others too. So these are all different kind of networks that we use to either track incoming or outbound aircraft, um, ground operations, what's coming in that may be of interest, and what maybe not so much. So in regards to spotting styles, some spotters will note and compile the markings, a national insignia or an airline livery or logo, a squadron badge or code letters in the case of, say, military aircraft. Published manuals also allow more information to be deducted, such as the delivery date of a manufacturer's construction number. The camouflage markings may also differ depending on the surroundings in which the aircraft is expected to operate. It's mostly for military. But in a better sense, in general, the most spotters attempt to see as many aircraft of a given type or particular airline, or even a particular subset of aircraft such as business jets, commercial jets, um, excuse me, commercial airlines, uh, military, or even general aviation. Some spotters attempt to see every airframe and are known as frame spotters. Others as keen, are keen to see every registration worn by each aircraft. That's not so much me. I mean, well, depends on the aircraft. Um, other activities like listening to the air traffic control transmission using radio scanners where that is legal, some places aren't, liaising with other spotters to clear up uncertainties at what the aircraft have been seen at specific times or in particular places. Several internet mailing groups, and this is pretty much relatively old because, well, mailing groups still exist. <laughs> Instagram also has, you know, group chats, so with the same thing with Facebook. Um, have been, they've been formed to help communicate aircraft seen at different airports, queues, and kind of like abnormalities. These groups can cater to certain regions, certain aircraft types, or may even appeal to a wider, a wider audience that necessarily aren't plane spotters, but are av geeks. Many of these groups originated from the original Oxford.VAX group, which pioneered this type of communication. Now, this is back in the day. The result is that information on aircraft movements can be delivered worldwide in a real-time fashion to spotters. The hobbyists might travel long distances to visit different airports, more from my next story on my upcoming trip, <laughs> to see an unusual aircraft or to view the remains of uh, you know, aircraft which drawn from use. Some have gone to the Mojave Desert to see there. I've gone to Kansas City at Jet Midwest and seen a bunch of great aircraft. Um, you can go to a couple other different places as well where they have these things. And, you know, air shows are another highly popular one, but most of the time people are going to their local airports, regional airports, or you know, larger international airports. So interestingly enough, you know, and I talk about spotting at different locations and different airports and how it's important to always be aware of your surroundings. So Legally, the legal ramifications section of this story, we'll talk about um, a group of spotters from, you know, that, that were in Greece at the time. So the legal repercussions of the hobby were dramatically, if not said, shown in November of 2001, where 14 aircraft spotters, 12 British and 2 Dutch, were arrested by Greek police after being observed at an open day at the Greek Air Force Base in Kalamata, not the Olive. They were charged with espionage, which is insane, and faced a possible 20-year prison sentence if found guilty. After being held for six weeks, they were eventually released on bail, and the charges were reduced to misdemeanor charge of illegal information collecting. Confident of their innocence, they returned for trial in April of 2002, and when stunned to be still found guilty, with eight of the group sentenced to three years, the rest for one year, and of course at the at their appeal, 
a year later, we're all acquitted. So shame on you, Greece. Just kidding. Um, it happens, and I understand the security factor, but the the amount of information that comes out of that story and to think about it, like me being in prison for a whole year just for plane spotting, these guys just like aircraft, just let it go. But I completely understand ever since, you know, September 11th, you know, security has been way different. You know, the way we go through TSA has been way different. You know, airport ops has been different as well. So we, I totally understand. Um, so that's pretty much kind of like an idea of plane spotting, more like history, a little bit of, you know, what we use as plane spotters or av geeks, and when we're out there, you know, you know, photographing aircraft. And I, you know, kind of hope this kind of like opened the eyes a little bit, maybe for some that aren't so much plane spotters. And if you are plane spotters or av geeks, you know, and you're listening to the podcast and you didn't know any of that information, you know, maybe hopefully that. You know, you learn something new today. Because I personally, when I was reading through some of these articles, I didn't know anything about the legal ramifications of the, the spotters in Greece and also some of the other things as well. But anyways, we're going to move right along to the next topic, which includes my upcoming trip to South Florida. So I've been planning for a few months now a trip back down to Florida. I was hoping to go right after the time change, which I am but I have a few days down there that I'm going to be doing plane spotting, some photography, working on some articles, um, maybe some time to work on my book that I'm um, writing up. I'm hoping the weather will, you know, work. <laughs> right now, it's looking a little iffy. Now, I've, I also know Florida very, very well, and I know that the weather can change drastically. When I mean drastically, within a half hour to an hour, you can have sunny skies and you can go right to showers or a scattered thunderstorm, and those are my absolute favorite. And if anyone knows me very well, I cannot stand lightning. I don't do it if I'm outside. I just can't do it. I have a very big fear of lightning. I can hang out of helicopters all day. It doesn't really matter, but if it's lightning, forget about it. So right now we're looking, you know, pretty okay, decent-wise on the weather. And Monday when I fly in, it's going to be looking nice, hopefully. It's only right now Wednesday, so the weather can definitely change um, Tuesday and Wednesday are looking a little iffy. Um, I can probably use those times to go do some other things, work on some articles, see some family, or excuse me, see some friends and from the past that I had uh, down there, and we'll see. You know, I also have a really kind of exciting opportunity. I don't want to talk too much about it right now. You guys will find them out maybe a little bit more on the way down or throughout the couple days that I'm down there. Um, I will say it does involve Tracon and the FAA and a certain airport. I don't want to go into too much more details because it's more of like a surprise, but it'll definitely add to my content collection and my memories. But I had a pretty good opportunity and I took, out, took it up right away and I said, you know what, let's do this. Which is another thing that took many weeks of organizing, watching weather. So it's been kind of a headache, but at the same time, hopefully the results will be what I wanted. So... Anyways, um, yeah, because I'm going out, flying out on Monday, returning on Wednesday. Can't fly out of Manchester because Spirit doesn't have those flights anymore that are popping down to Fort Lauderdale. So I had to fly out of Boston, which is totally okay because I really do love flying JetBlue. I've flown them multiple times. I've never had a bad experience. Same thing with Delta. But JetBlue is one of those airlines that I can always rely on. Um, hopefully everything goes well. I did read somewhere in the news that possibly Delta airline pilots maybe going on strike or is it Delta or somebody else? I couldn't remember who it was. 
Maybe it was United. It feels like every other week someone's going on strike for something. So it's hard to keep track of everything. But like I said, the experience for JetBlue um, has always been a positive one for me. If you guys haven't flown JetBlue before, I recommend it. They're very good. Uh, the entertainment, in-flight entertainment systems are really great, especially for flights that are over two hours. I think it's highly recommended to have an in-flight entertainment system. If not, you you know people can say, oh, you can like look at your phone and you know watch you know Netflix documentaries that you've downloaded. And I think yeah, I agree. But at the same time, if you don't want to use up your battery for your phone, you know it's also a plus to have that uh, in-flight entertainment. So for next week, I'm hoping to do this podcast from bright and sunny South Florida. I don't think it's going to happen. We'll kind of just play it by ear. And if it's not, then, hey, you know, I'll be doing it from via my hotel room, you know, talking just like I am right now in my own place. But that wraps up yet another week of Skies and Beyond Radio. Thank you again for taking the time to listen. And if you liked it, make sure to rate it on your local podcast service as well as pass it along to your friends and family. I hope you all have a great week, and until next time, happy spotting. Do you want us to go direct to Iraq now or just uh, on that heading?